0: Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we're going to look at Tempranillo, which is Spain's most planted black grape variety, and therefore very important because Spain is the third biggest producer of wine in the world. And the fact that Tempranillo is planted all around the country and in Portugal as well as other places in the world highlights in particular with Spain, the diversity of the wines produced in that country and highlights the different climates, different styles of wine, some of the history of the country and the winemaking techniques because Tempranillo being planted in all these different regions showcases how it can change according to where it is being grown. And one instance of this is the fact that Tempranillo has many, many different names. Even though Tempranillo is so widely planted, it still has many different names, which which you may find on the label. The Tempranillo itself is the most common name. It refers to the fact that Tempranillo is an early ripening grape, which we'll talk about in a second. But then elsewhere in the country, it's also called Tinto Fino. For example, in Ribera del Duero, Tinto de Pais, which just means kind of the country grape or the land grape. Uh, Tinto de Madrid, even though it has no connection to Madrid whatsoever. Tinto del Toro, which is what it's called in Toro because it does have a connection with that region. Uh, Sensibel is another name, which is what it's called in Valdepenas in La Mancha. Also, Yebre, which means um, eye of the hair, which is what it's called in Catalonia. And then going into Portugal, where it is brought um, into the country from Spain, potentially by someone called Rorish, and so it's called Tintararish in the Douro. Then it's also called aragonese in Alentejo. And that's because the grape probably originates from Aragon in Northeast Spain, which is just east of Rioja, which is of course the most famous and historic region in Spain. So that some of these names have a historical meaning, some of them are a little more tenuous, but they do attest to the fact that Tempranillo is very historic and has been grown in these regions for many, many centuries. So what are the characteristics of Tempranillo? First of all, it's thick-skinned and so it has a deep colour which is important in blending, one of the reasons it's used for port in the Douro, and it also gives color to the, the wines of the Spanish regions in which it is grown. Acidity, not necessarily that high, and blending becomes very important with Tempranillo for various reasons. As mentioned, the name Tempranillo refers to the fact that it's early ripening, and it actually ripens two weeks before Garnacha. This means that the wines are fairly low in alcohol, so though they have the colour and the tannic structure, they may lack the alcohol and body. And this is where blending can become quite important. So of course in Portugal, with port, um, port has to be a blend. So Tempranillo, or tinta as it's known there, could form part of a blend. In Rioja, it does not have to be a blend, but historically, because Tempranillo is early ripening, and lacked the alcohol, then the use of Garnatra is really important. So in Rioja, Tempranillo is mainly planted in Rioja Alta and Alaveza, the two cooler regions of um, Rioja. So slightly higher altitude, a bit more influenced by the Atlantic Ocean. Whereas Garnacha is mainly planted in Rioja Oriental as it's now called. Uh, It used to be called Rioja Vaca until recently. So the lower part, lower lower altitude plantings, much warmer continental climate, much less influenced from the Atlantic Ocean. And of course, Garnacha, which is Grenache, needs a warm climate to get fully ripe. And so that's why um, grapes are planted in different areas. And so adding Garnacha to the blend with Tempranillo would add alcohol and body and just give the wine more depth and more concentration to a Tempranillo, which could be traditionally a bit too dilute. That's changing, partly because of climate change, partly because of greater understanding of site selection, Wiraka now is not, not as much of a regional blend as it used to be. It used to be blending all the different areas together to produce a consistent um, blend. But now producers are really looking at specific sites and understanding the styles of wine, the ripening conditions, that um, are in that that site. There's more single vineyard wines being made in Rioja, which may also be single varietal, which could include Tempranillo as well as Garnacha, but also uh, Carignan, which is called Masuelo in Rioja, or even Graciano. So Rioja, despite being an extremely historic region, and despite the fact that Tempranillo is the dominant grape variety, is changing. And so we don't just see these regional blends as all the time although commercially though those are very important some of the most exciting wines are those that are actually expressions of single vineyard and single varietal but that's where Tempranillo is most important and so historically blending the great variety is very important Also because Tempranillo is quite neutral in its aromas, maybe strawberry aromas, leather aromas as the wines develop. But that is another reason to um, have other varieties in the blend, but also allows Tempranillo to be really kind of open to oak ageing. And so in Rioja, the tradition was for American oak, because that's what producers could afford, with the different categories for the length of ageing. So Crianza, Reserva and Gran Reserva, with Gran Reserva being the longest aged. And Tempranillo, almost like Chardonnay, it's neutral, fairly neutral aromas, allow it to take on those oak aromas without there being too much uh, complication or too much confusion between the fruit aromas and the oak. So that's the tradition in Rioja. More modern producers use French oak. Again, those neutral, aroma, relatively neutral aromas of Tempranillo allow the oak influence to be apparent and add complexity. In Ribeiro del Duero, the use of new French oak is quite common. Also American oak as well, and maybe a blend of the two. So French oak, more about the spice and the grain, a bit more integrate, natural integration, whereas American oak is a bit more aggressive, but can add those coconut, dill, fennel aromas. And so maybe a blend of the two to give a kind of historically Spanish feel. Big differences between Rioja and Ribera del Duero is that Rioja... There are those different sub-regions, as I mentioned, those with Atlantic influence, those with more continental influence, and also much older vineyards and older plantings. so much more historic region. Whereas Ribera del Duero, although um, it goes back to the 19th century, and the important producer there is Vega Sicilia, which goes, goes back 150 years, up until the late 70s, early 80s, There are almost no other wineries in Ribera del Duero apart from Vega Sicilia, which produces some of the most expensive wine. But since the late 70s, early 80s, there have been far more plantings in Ribera del Duero, and so it's expanded greatly. But there are also climatic differences. Ribera del Duero is warmer than Rioja because it's completely continental. Plantings have to be at high altitude, and the wines are generally Tempranillo dominant, whereas Rioja is usually a blend. So this means that in ribera del duero the vines are younger and the vineyard plantings are younger than rioca so the use of new oak is much more widespread in ribera del duero uh, to really add flavor and character and tannic structure to the younger vines whereas in rioca it might be older oak just to integrate the structure of the wine so these two regions can have quite a, a lot of differences despite being temporary oak based also in ribera del duero Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot and Malbec are planted and allowed in the blend up to 10%. And they can add tannic structure and fruit and black fruit aromas, depending on the nature of the vintage and what the producer's style is looking for. Uh, The reason these great varieties are allowed is because Vega Sicilia planted them uh, decades ago. And so now other producers are allowed to do so too. So there are differences between those two regions, even though Tempranillo is the base. To the west of Ribera del Duero is Toro, which, where the plantings are slightly lower down, and the climate is extremely dry. So we're really in the midst of continental Spain. But a lot of these vines are, are old, between 50 and 100 years old. And in fact, about a fifth of those vines are 50 years old, and a small percentage of 100 years old. So lots of old bush vines in Toro, which really um, adds to the concentration and structure of the wine. So again, a different expression of Tempranillo. These wines have traditionally been quite rustic, quite big, full, forward, in your face wines. But with these old vines being explored, the wines are a bit more subtle and can be extremely um, high quality, even if still full bodied and high alcohol. So, we're seeing the difference in Tempranillo between the cooler climates of Rioja with the Atlantic influence and higher altitude, where getting the alcohol and body might be quite tricky, and then regions like Ribebero del Duero and Toro, where getting that full ripeness is quite easy and you'll get the alcohol and the body, and therefore blending is less necessary. And that's also due to climate and temperatures. Tempranillo is also planted in La Mancha, which is the world's biggest wine region. With the quality wines coming from Valdepeñas, which is a region where the altitude is higher, at 600 metres, whereas La Mancha is quite flat and it's a plateau, and in La Mancha it's where the bulk wine is produced, especially for Spanish brandy. But Valdepeñas, a higher altitude, and although it's not a particularly renowned region now, back in the 1960s and 70s it was one of the few Spanish regions outside Rioja which was producing high quality wine. And again, Tempranillo, which is called Sensibel, locally, remains the most important grape variety. But again, you don't see them that much on the market these days. And within La Mancha, there's a lot of inexpensive Tempranillo being made as well, which is going to be fruity and easy in that warm climate. Then moving into Portugal, the other country where Tempranillo is extremely important. As I mentioned, it's called Tintora in Douro for uh, port production and also for red wine production and this is again a hot continental climate so getting the grapes ripe is not difficult and so it'll have what it's used for is to add colour and body to the blend. So it's rare to see a a tintore dominant wine in port or in the Douro in general but it's useful. Um, quite fruity and quite jammy with strawberry aromas just adding some, um, as I said, colour and body to the blend but not having a real tannic concentration in those really warm conditions. In Alanteju, to the south, where again it's hot and continental, it's uh, called Aragonese and the best plantings are at higher altitude where it's going to be cooler and just lengthen the growing season as much as possible for a, a a grape that has a short ripening season. And that just, again, concentrates the flavors, but also the tannins as well. But again, Tempranillo here is generally going to be a blend or part of a blend rather than a single varietal wine. So we can see in the Iberian Peninsula throughout Spain and Portugal, how Tempranillo is used in different ways according to the climate, whether it's the dominant grape variety or if it's a single varietal wine, or if it's part of a blend depending on the ripening season and exactly what the structure of Tempranillo is. Tempranillo is planted elsewhere in Europe. Surprisingly there are around 2,000 hectares of plantings in France mainly in Languedoc. I've never seen a wine from France or from Languedoc which has been labelled as Tempranillo and I think it's mainly used there for blending to again add and some color and some body as it's also used elsewhere in spain and in portugal but certainly not the dominant grape variety in a varietally labeled wine it's also planted in switzerland malta and turkey as well as italy where it's sometimes called Malvasia Nero. and so there's a bit of confusion in italy whether the grape varieties uh, that are called Malvasia Nero are actually tempranillo or Malvasia itself so there's a little bit confusing in Italy, as it always is. So there still needs to be some clarification about what in Italy is Tempranillo and what is not. Going outside of Europe, there's nearly 400 hectares of plantings of Tempranillo in California. California is a region which has the potential to produce really good Tempranillo. Uh, one producer that does is called Ferdinand, which is made by the winemaker of Konsgard, which is a very famous and expensive Chardonnay made in Napa Valley. And um, those wines are good. But I've yet to taste an outstanding wine from California and maybe that's because my conclusion is that Tempranillo really needs to be planted on the correct site. And so looking at those plantings in, uh, in Spain and in Portugal, there's a real association with place, what the blend should be, what the oak treatment should be, what the ripening conditions are it's a real understanding of connection between grape variety and place which i don't think has really happened in the new world yet apart from in oregon so in oregon there is a producer called Abasela. they're based in Umqua valley which is south of Willa- willamette valley so oregon is of course most famous for its pinot noir made from willamette valley but back in the 1990s a dermatologist from florida was obsessed with spanish wine and he asked the question why is there no good wine made from tempranillo in the united states which i think is a completely valid question his son is a climatologist and so between 92 and 95 they spent three years um going around the states to find the perfect site for tempranillo and they concluded that this spot in Unqua valley in oregon was the perfect spot there was nothing planted there previously they bought the property and it is in line with ribera del duero so to some extent it has a similar climate because it's on the same uh, latitude as uh, rioca and ribera del duero but with more of a maritime influence maybe more similar to ribera uh, rioca in that sense but maybe also a little bit hotter than rioca and some more like ribera del duero so a nice combination of the two which is why they settled on that site and these I think are the best Tempranillo produced outside of Spain they just have the perfect balance between uh, that color and body and weight of Tempranillo without being too heavy or too being too warm climate which you can find in California where you can have an overripe jamminess rather like you might find in Portugal which is a bit too hot for single varietal Tempranillo so those wines are absolutely superb and are made in a similar way to Rioja, similar, um, it's that's what the influence is, but they're definitely their own thing and they are quite age-worthy as well. Then in Washington State, there's only 38 hectares, uh, but Gramercia, one example of a producer, they really focus on... Uh, mediterranean varieties but there's not that much planted there but in argentina six and a half thousand hectares so the so the fifth most planted variety in mendoza i haven't seen too many examples of tempranillo from argentina but there's clearly a lot of plantings there which would suggest it has the potential at that high altitude in the warm climate to just prolong the growing season a little bit and to add complexity but Obviously, in Argentina, the focus is really on Malbec. Australia, just under a 1,000 hectares. A lot of it's in Riverland and Riverina, which are the, the bulk wine-growing regions. So again, not necessarily the highest quality. In that warm climate, it's easy to get the grapes ripe, which is good for bulk wine. But there's also some planted in Barossa and also in McLaren Vale. McLaren Vale is definitely ideal for Mediterranean varieties like tempranillo and that's an emerging trend, although you might not see that much outside of the country. There's also New Zealand, where there's seven hectares, which isn't very much, but a very expensive producer, Trinity Hill, produces tempranillo in the Gimblet Gravels region of um, Hawke's Bay in northeast New Zealand, which is. Um, the country's warmest region. Again, I have not tasted that, and um, it's gonna be really hard to find with that limited amount of production, but uh, it's supposedly very good. And the east side of New Zealand is definitely, definitely has a potential for Mediterranean varieties, uh, Italian varieties, as well as Spanish varieties. So it might be something to look out for, although the development of great varieties in New Zealand is very slow because of very strict quarantine restrictions. So we'll see how that develops. There is also Tempranillo Blanco, which is a a white version of Tempranillo, which was discovered in 1988, authorized in 2004, also has a short growing season. And there are a handful of examples of Tempranillo Blanco out there. So they are white wines and they're good, but I do not find them that compelling. I have to confess, but they're, they're good wines and that's perhaps why, why plantings of Tempranillo Blanco have not expand, expanded as much as some local producers were suspecting. They were quite excited by having a white version of Tempranillo. I find them relatively neutral, of good quality, but not exciting. So that is Tempranillo, Spain's most planted black grape variety, but also planted around the world in varying degrees. A grape variety which really expresses the site and the region where it comes from. That's most noticeable in Spain, to a lesser degree in Portugal, and sadly, to a much lesser degree in other countries around the world, where the potential of Tempranillo has not really been explored, where producers focus on Bordeaux and Burgundy varieties instead, with the notable exception of the Abacela producer in Oregon. So that's Tempranillo. Thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.